listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Since 2009, the Pharmacy Podcast has been leading podcast publications as the insider voice of the pharmacy industry. Explore the profession and business of pharmacy through audio. Join us at PharmacyPodcast.com or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or any of your favorite podcast directories. You know, whether somebody is using drugs or not, their life is still valuable. Naloxone is a lifesaver. Remember that we're not our disease. I am not a bag of heroin. I'm Stacy. I'm just as normal as the next person. My outlook has always been to educate because I think when you're talking about stigma here as as an overall goal of yours, I think the only way to really gnaw away at that is to educate people. Unfortunately, I have not had many positive experiences with the medical community, with anybody I know or anybody in my family. I hope that changed. Opioid use disorder is a chronic condition. It's it's not something that you know goes away forever. It's not like you you go through a treatment program and then suddenly it's not a problem anymore. You know, we don't always get it the first time, and you know, sometimes it takes us a couple times before we finally get it. Don't give up on us so easily. Hi, my name is Logan Kissel, and let's talk stigma. Let's Talk Stigma is an educational podcast mini-series designed to highlight the stigma associated with opioid use disorder and the ongoing opioid epidemic. Each of these episodes will feature a number of different voices from individuals who have in some way experienced the effects of the opioid epidemic, whether in their social life, family life, or professional career. We hope listeners of this podcast will listen with an open mind, reflect on the stories they hear, and be able to recognize and combat stigma associated with opioid use disorder. In today's episode of Let's Talk Stigma, we'll hear from the voices of three different individuals who will share their perspectives on why they believe stigma exists and how we can begin to reflect on our own biases and recognize ways we need to change. But where did the stigma come from and why is it there at all? I think it probably goes back to the start of the war on drugs and and how drugs were criminalized and the people using them were criminalized. Um, And, you know, society has just kind of perpetuated that stigma throughout, you know, decades of of the war on drugs. My name is Kelly Kelly. I work at the University of Pittsburgh um, with Connect in the Graduate School of Public International Affairs. Um, And I'm also the mayor of Turtle Creek Borough, Um, a family member of somebody who's in long-term recovery. Really just even the criminalization of of people who have this this disease, Um, you know, I think it goes hand in hand. People automatically assume if you have a substance use disorder that, you know, you do things that are against the law, you know, you steal from people or, you know, you do things, you know, you drive drunk or, you know, what the case may be. And unfortunately, law enforcement has had to come in to a lot of those those situations. Um, And so I think that that just keeps perpetuating that stigma. Unfortunately, you know, those kind of things have always been talked about when talking about people struggling with addiction and and substance use disorders. Um, The media does it, you know, news stories always do it, Um, you know, flashing the the mugshots of of people out there all the time, always talking about all of the terrible things that they do while struggling, Um, you know, so years and years of that. I think 
that any discussion really needs to take into account some of the historical factors that have led to, um, you know, the the uptick in in folks um, using opioids and particularly using heroin and and how that happened. We spoke with Lauren Junkman, a pharmacist and faculty member at the University of Pittsburgh School of Pharmacy, who specializes in global health and care for underserved populations. Historically, there's always been, you know, ways of of identifying substance use in a way that racializes it. So from like the opium wars in the past, you know, being very, very much focused on people of Asian descent and particularly Chinese Americans and and how that was seen in a very specific way. And then you think about, you know, all of the discussion that's happening right now about substance use and, and prison and how, you know, the way that we've, and this is again, not specifically about opioids, but the way that we've, you know, chosen to um, treat, you know, cocaine use versus crack use and how that has fallen on very clear racial lines and that that has impacted on who is in jail and why and and what's going on. I think that there is definitely a lot more interest in in heroin use now that a large number of people who are heroin users are white. And, And so that that has really changed our discussion about substance use disorder and focusing about stigma reduction when I don't think that that existed to the same extent when people's perception was that mostly people of color are using substances, which I, which has never been the case. I think it's important that we, like what, what we do to try to address stigma, that that goes across, across all people and recognizes again, this, this, um, you know, that people live within societies and that those societies are structured in ways that change opportunities and change resources and and those things fall on class and race and gender lines and I think we just have to be really really conscious of that. So what do people think about when they picture someone with opioid use disorder? I think it's really easy for folks to to have a picture in their head when they're thinking of someone that is um, someone who who is using heroin or using some other other substance, and they have a picture in their head of what that person looks like. And more often than not, that's not what one, that's not what that person looks like. And, and, and two, I think it, because you have this view in your head, it changes again, whether you see that person as a human living within their, living within their context, or you see that person as just as their use alone. So what can we do about this? Focusing not only on opioid use disorder, but I think on substance use more broadly and 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 not ignoring the the cultural factors, the racial disparities that exist and and why those exist. You know, why our role as pharmacists needs to be coming from a not so much a control standpoint. I think pharmacists really in, when they're working with folks with substance use disorder, I think that there's a lot of focus on on control and on you know limiting people's access to things or or controlling that access in some way, and thinking about instead what would be a, a risk reduction strategy and and what is it that we do to work around and work within this very complex system that I think that you know op- opioid use disorder is 
not usually only about that substance. Like it's a, it's a much bigger thing and takes into account lots of other factors for that person in their life and past trauma and all of those things. And, and how do you integrate that into supporting people where they are? We talked with Joellen Marsh, who is the lead program director for Connect and also a harm reduction educator. She shares her perspective on how we should reflect, start to think differently, and be mindful of the language we use so we're not perpetuating stigma. I think it starts with how we think about people with substance use disorders, because there are a lot of things that we we don't know that we believe until we encounter, oh, that that's different. So I think a lot of it starts with us. Um, internally and recognizing that we all have people in our lives who have addiction of one sort or another. Language is incredibly important and it, we think, the way we think is influenced by the language that we use. And so even if we have done a lot of, you know, anti-stigma work within ourselves around opioid use disorders, if we use words like addict or clean or, or dirty or those kinds of things, it all, it signals to other people that, something about that. So a lot of times when I was doing trainings, I would say to the the group of people that I was training, like, stop and take a second and think of what comes up for you when you use the word addict or when you hear the word addict. And now think of what comes up for you when you hear person with substance use disorder or person who uses drugs. And a lot of times people think of very different things when they hear those two words uh, or two terms. And so remembering that even if a person is using a word about themselves, so many people who are, you know, are in 12 steps or or things might use the word junkie or addict or or things like that to describe themselves, that it's important for us as professionals uh, when we're talking to clients or participants or whoever we're talking to, to use the most appropriate language and the least stigmatizing language. Absolutely. We need to be using person-first language and language that is the most clinically and scientifically accurate to the best of our abilities. Especially when we're talking about clean or dirty, it's much better to use words like abstinent. Um, You know, somebody who has a negative drug screen is not cleaner than somebody who has a positive drug screen. And, And I think those things are kind of insidious in the way they get into our minds. When we're talking to the public or talking to community members, it's much better to try to use words that that bring up different images in our mind and that are, have just been have not been used for decades to try to to stigmatize and demean people. This podcast was developed by the University of Pittsburgh School of Pharmacy in partnership with Duquesne University School of Pharmacy. Funding for this podcast was provided in part by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention.